So a couple of things, first of all. First of all, you probably noticed that Dr. Mike Hutchings dropped in for a hello. He was uh, in, in, uh, over at the Tabernacle doing a conference with Randy Clark uh, the last few days and kind of connected with us and said, hey, you know, do you mind if I come over and hang with you guys? Originally I said yes, but then I relented. Um, so he was able to be with us here today, which is such a great blessing to us. Um, and if it's okay, we're going to kind of hang out, him and I, together a little bit, just work a little bit around what I'd like to share today and get some of his wisdom on, those, on these same points. Um, today is kind of a day where we discuss a little bit about the Light City School of Ministry, as you could uh, you know, hear a little bit of the testimony that Gail brought out. Um, and so we'd like to just talk a little bit about that. Uh, for the credentials of Dr. Uh, Mike, he runs the, if you want to say, the LCSM, the school program, the intensive programs, and all of those um, sort of school environments that all run around and through Randy Clark's Global Awakening Ministries. Um, and so he has a, obviously has a huge heart for these type of environments as well. And I'm trusting we'll have a lot to say to sort of speak into um, our hearts in regards to being involved in it, whether it is actually as a person or just praying for the people that are there or uh, supporting it in all the things that we do around here to kind of support the people that God is calling into that program right now. So would you welcome Dr. Mike Hutchins to come on up here and stay with me? <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and say hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, It everybody. is awesome to be here today. I, uh, I feel like this is family for me. Yes. <laughs> I really do. So if even if, you know, I just, I just wanted to come in and just say hi to family and, and greet you guys. And, uh, and then uh, I, I love the fact that uh, your amazing pastor said, well, why don't you come and let's have a dialogue and discussion together around his notes. So it's, it's really a great joy. I love everything that you guys are doing. I love the impact that you are having. You know, I, I don't know if you remember, but one of the times that I was with you, I talked about Joshua and how Joshua was getting ready to, to lead God's people across the Jordan River. And he kept telling God, in the dialogue, there's a sense of, you know, I, I don't know if I can step into Moses' sandals, right? Uh -huh, yeah. And he said in Joshua, God said to Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 3, he says, every place you put the sole of your foot, I've given mm -hmm. to you. And that's, that has such impacted my life in so many ways about how to advance the kingdom of God. But a few years ago, National Geographic was doing a satellite survey of Gilgal, which is where they crossed the Jordan River. And they saw there a, geo, a geographic formation, like a geological formation of rock that looks like a giant sandal footprint. Mm. <clears throat> and I just want to declare this over Light City today. I want to declare that you look here on sun, Sunday mornings and in other meetings, and you, we have a tendency to judge our numbers and then say, well, that's the level of our influence. And I want to say to you in the kingdom, that is a wrong way to judge. I'm saying mm -hmm. to you that you guys have a significant footprint in the entire region here, both Canada and Western New York, that is bringing transformation, that is bringing revelation, that is bringing hope 
to this region in a way that you guys have only begun to scratch the surface of what God is able and willing to do through this yeah, amazing. amazing family. And I bless you guys in Jesus' name. So good. Well, it's worth bringing you up here just for that. <laughs> so many of you know that when uh, the times that I've been up here sharing with you, we're kind of working our way through this covenant understanding, really getting in, not just let's blow by it really quickly, but that uh, the, co- the revelation of a covenant with Almighty God is the central reason why God did everything that has to do with this creation <clears throat> and all the humans that are in it. And we've wandered along to discover through Ephesians chapter 5 that, uh, you know, Paul was sharing with us how we can be understanding our human relationships. And then by understanding human relationships, we can understand what our relationship will look like with God. And we'd like to share a little bit about that today is talking about the, how do you get into a relationship? How does it actually work? Get it, pick it apart a wee bit with a magnifying glass and let's discover what does it mean for me to develop a relationship with another person? And then when I look at it that way, I can figure out, okay, so then how do I apply that to my relationship with God? You see, I think that uh, at least, you know, as I look at the world around me, as many of you know, I was raised Catholic. I love Catholic people. They're awesome, loving God people. Um, But I don't remember in part of that upbringing that I was encouraged to have a relationship with God. Excuse me. This is Gail's fault. I was fine before I cried before the sermon. (laughs) Gail will need to do another Raymond now on messing up Pastor Ian's sermon. When, when we look for God, and I remember I desired God very much when I was a young boy. I didn't really even know that was what I was doing. But I, you know, I'm involved in as many things as I could possibly get involved in. But I really don't remember majoring on having a relationship with God. It was kind of like your, you know, the, the, the real pursuit should be to have a relationship with a church or to have a relationship with a doctrine or to fit into their way of doing things. And then maybe if they could use their really, you know, big iron to iron on some of my wrinkles, then my wrinkles would somehow disappear. And that was kind of my job to get rid of the wrinkles, to get to try and figure out if I could do that. But I wonder, as we're discovering this part about covenant, whether or not what God has actually been looking for all along is relationship. Because you challenge me, you know, and the things that you say and the way that you live and the the great things that you do around the world is because of our relationship. If I didn't know you, that wouldn't challenge me. But because of our relationship, imagine that with that with God, that he's just always in this place of, of massaging us, if you will, to bring us to a place where we're just getting better and better and better and better, although we're not really even trying to get better and better and better. Right. We're trying to get to know God more and more and more. Yeah. And what happens out of that is just that I start appearing to be better. You may think, you, I hope you think, that you're, you know, we're getting better. But it's not about getting better. That's right. It's about knowing him and in the knowing him we're figuring stuff out and we're saying wow that's a lot better than the way I think or the way I live or you know I'm hearing testimonies of people who know God differently than I know God and then it's wow I'd like some of that too and see how we're doing all of this it's all about this relationship thing but I wonder whether we didn't get because of where we are in the history of humankind, when religion and those type of organized things kind of took the priority off what it should have been on. And so then when we went looking for God, 
we said, well, what you ought to do is start with religion. And then you can figure it out from there. But I wonder, you know, when I was putting the teaching together, I wonder whether if you're looking for God, we should start with God. <laughs> I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder whether God is able to be God to me the first day I get saved, as well as be able, see, I wonder if he's smart enough to be that guy that I need, as well as the guy that I need when I'm a theo theologic, whatever, cream of the crop guy. I think God can be both of those. And if we learn to go after God, and what would that mean? Are we gonna try and discuss maybe a bit of that today? If we could learn to go after God, how it works, then we can bypass that whole way of doing things and maybe getting lost over there and never finding God. I remember doing a rhema one time and said, you know, you, you looked for God and you found a building and you called the building God. And it was like, okay, that's, maybe there's a bit wrong with that. I'm not saying that people did it wrong. I said, I did it wrong. I didn't understand or didn't get it. But instead of that, let's go after figuring out how does God work? How do relationships work? How does a relationship with God actually work? So one of the things you have to understand is that God, as he is revealed in Jesus Christ, is all about relationship. You have to understand something about Jesus. He came into a religious system that had taken 10 little commandments and grew them into 613 laws. Yeah. So that the only people that could quote unquote be accepted by God and actually be, uh, you know, kind of people that would, God would love were the religious professionals who spent all their time trying to follow the laws and everybody else kind of were the spectators. Yeah. They were the ones that were couldn't get on the field and do it. But God is God, whether you're a two-year-old child or a seasoned theologian. Carl yeah. Barth, who wrote a massive five-volume set called Church Dogmatics in the 20th century, he was doing a lecture at uh, University of Chicago Divinity School at the Rockefeller Chapel. And a student stood up and said, uh, Dr. Barth, could you give me a summation of all of your theological work as you understand God. And this is how he answered. Jesus loves me, this yeah, I know. Yeah. For the Bible tells me so. Yeah. And what that simply means is this. You and I are raised in a Western culture where we think we have to get our heads around anything that we welcome into our lives. And if we can't get our heads around it, then we kind of reject it because it's something that we can't understand. The problem with that and in, in a lot of Greek Western culture is it has a tendency to make the mind God. Yeah. And if I, I can only receive it unless I understand it. But with a child or a theologian, you have to, the gospel is about wrapping your heart, not yeah. wrapping your head, but wrapping your heart around God's love. Yeah. And if you've hung around little children, they, they don't get the full concept of who God is, but they get what love looks like. Yeah. And ultimately, that's how God comes and encounters us, in the power of his love that we can wrap our heart around that. Yeah, so amazing. And when we, when we consider it like that, with relationships, if I can say God is looking, let's forget about whether, you know, my two-year-old, Olivia, 
can figure out what the meaning of Greek words are or not. That doesn't, so let's say we don't, whether she can fit into all the rules and regs that we have around here at Light City, or whether she can conjugate, you know, Hebrew verbs or whatever, let's say that's not important. Let's just look at it from that perspective and say, how does Olivia, or a two-year-old that you know, how do they begin to have relationships with people? <clears throat> and the, the mechanism that I feel that is the most important mechanism is what is called opting in. That we are always, in our human relationships, we are always uh, pitching something to another person and looking for them to opt into that. So, hey, Dr. Mike, would you like to uh, come to my church? Okay, I'd love to. Or, heck no. And so he could either opt in or opt out of that. Would you like to come up on, to the pulpit with me and share some things? He can opt in or opt out. Would you like, you know, all of these things that can create, you know, relationship uh, improvements, advancements, then if, if we understand that's how God is operating. He's always pitching us to opt in to another level. You know, we saw that uh, Jess, Pastor Jessica was doing that in the worship today. Uh, asking us, would you like to opt in? Want to hold up your hands? Now, some people, that's a big thing. I remember when I can, I'll take you to the, to, the, to the pew I was sitting in. The first time God said, lift up your hands. And I'm thinking, God, I'm Catholic. We don't, uh, you know. <laughs> so my first lift up my hands was this. It's not wrong, right? I am lifting up my hands. By the way, same for Baptists as well. Yeah, same for Baptists as well. I think, for, I think there's something... Uh, vulnerable about doing that. Yeah, it is. I, it does, I don't think it matters to you at what point you come into this, but anytime you come into a strange place and they say, lift up your hands, you're going, did I put the deodorant on? Did I put the deodorant on? Yeah. Right? You're, it's a vulnerable thing that you're doing when you're... So anyways, it, these are the type of opt-in things. They may seem innocuous to us, right? But to, to many of us, your, your decision in the very beginning of this to opt in to some relationship reason why you came to church, just opting in to come through those doors, then opting to, you know, maybe somebody preached something and you opted in to coming up to the altar. Maybe you opted in to praying a prayer. Maybe you opted in to coming back the next week. Maybe you opted in to moving one row closer than the back of the church. Maybe you opted in to lift up your hands. All of these things are all God's invitation to us to just come a little bit, not, not because he's interested in making us embarrassed. He's interested in, I remember, I can tell you, when I, I just a little testimony, not on the notes. Uh, when, when I did that, when I finally got beyond this, and the one service where I lifted my, I just closed my eyes, I said, Lord, I know that everybody in the room, they're going to stop singing, and they're going to all turn around and look straight at me when I do this. <laughs> And so I'm going to close my eyes and I'm just going to lift my hands in the air. Can I tell you something? And this is one of the, not a great story at the end, but it was like the, the roof of the church opened up above me in my perception. Yeah. Literally, it was like somebody had plugged me in to 220 volts and the, like the roof literally opened right there. Like I could see through the roof, you know, like, like in a movie or something, I could see through the roof. And all of a sudden, it was like I was in heaven. All I did was lift up my hands. It was so bad, so good, <laughs> that this went on for probably six weeks. 
And we were in a, like a rockin' church, right? This was like a crazy rock and roll, 1980s Petra kind of a church. If you all, probably half of you don't know what I'm talking about, but anyways. <laughs> I do. Yeah, we know. And so every Sunday I would go back and it would be the same thing. It would be fine, 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 sing, sing, sing. And then I would lift up my hands and then boom, I would be like, I would disappear. My first kind of experience with going somewhere else spiritually, like not somewhere else, but you lose all track of what's going on around you and you just become this. And at the end of this, so I'd encourage you to do that. I don't encourage you to do what I did next because I'm a, you know, Spock businessman, you know, live long and prosper. And this whole stuff was weirder than anything for me. So I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you're going to have to, I'm here to learn. I need to be able to pay attention when the, the preacher gets up and preaches. So you need to lift this off of me so that, can I tell you something? He lifted it that day and it's never been back to that degree. Because you can opt in and you can opt out. And sometimes it was just too weird for me. It was in my world at that, that now I would take it, I'd give everything I had to go back there. But you're... You know, the, the relationship goes by me. It doesn't go by God. Because if, God, if it was up to God, God would just have it done zippity-doo-dah in two seconds and you would be getting married and living happily ever after if it was up to God. The issue is for us to learn how all of that stuff works. Because what God is trying to do, the primal thing, what we have to recognize, and we're not really good at this in our culture because relationships are environments that we get to manipulate other people in. We don't value relationships for what they really are. We value them for what we can get from them. Not us in here. But as a culture, that's how you do it. Networking is all about how can I use you to take advantage of you. But in God's eyes, he's interested in us learning relationships with him because it is the primal reason that humankind was, was, was created in the first place. We weren't created in the first place so that we could populate Mars. That's God right. could populate Mars by himself. That's right. We were created in order to have relationship with him. And when we learn that and we feel this, this thing that happens when we come into relationship with God, it fixes all kinds of problems. God asking us to opt into something. Like I, you know, invited Dr. Mike to go to lunch. He's not able to. He's been away from his family for a couple of weeks. But we were, were, if we would have been able to do that and opt into lunch together today, well, it wouldn't have been so that we could eat. You could eat, you could right. eat by yourself. Right. Yeah. What we're doing is when we're opting into that time together, now we have the opportunity to grow more deeply in relationship with, an, with one another, to just to get to know each other better, to interact with each other, to challenge each other, to do whatever that is. That's God's objective in everything we do that is in the opt-in invitation that comes to us from God. He's not ever looking to take advantage of us. He's always looking to create an environment where we will get to know God even better. Each one of us then, recognizing that, excuse me, I'll, yeah, I'll finish my right, thought. Right. Um, each one of us recognizing that's what God is doing. God does not care whether you lift your hands up or not. He knows there's some mechanism that happens when you do that that sets your soul free to be able to, like, close your eyes, Ian. I, I don't want to close my eyes. There's a bunch of weird people here. If you close your eyes, he's going to show you the, the advantage of focusing in on God and not being distracted by the things around you. So we may not know that. This may be a completely foreign concept to us, 
And if we just opt in, we're going to realize there's another piece of God waiting to be discovered right on the other side of that opt-in. Now, let me say, in my experience, I, I was a Baptist who didn't believe in any of this stuff. <laughs> okay? As a matter of fact, I preached against it. And I, in Bible college, I gave, excuse me, hell to Charismatics and Pentecostals that came in because I really thought they were heretics. But what happened is, is God began to woo me, and I want to, he began to court me in this experience. Yes. I had numerous opportunities to opt in, but I said no. So what he did was he continued to find other pathways to keep opting me in until I came to a place that I was in such a, a broken state, even in, I, I believe Jesus, I knew I was going to heaven, but I was in such a broken state that I finally said, yes, God, whatever. And it was in that opt-in place that I opted into that and began to see transformation and freedom in my own life. So I want to say that he really is the hound of heaven. That is, he keeps yeah. coming with more and more opt-in invitations, although in many different ways. So even if you've said no to him a thousand times, he will find the 1,001th time to give you another opt-in. Yeah, and it's interesting because sometimes I used to always think that if I were to obey God, then everything is going to go awesome for me. Oh, yeah. But And I would always be bugged when it didn't <clears throat> until I understood the opt-in was to create a reason for God and I to hang out together. That's it. That's it. And oftentimes, the place that we hang out together the best is when I am, you know, thinking I'm going to lose my life and flush it all down the toilet. Now I'm actually interested in spending time with God. And so in that time, we face the battle together, and we step into the victory together. And then when the next opt-in comes... Now we're looking, God's saying, okay, you got that one? Let's opt into another one. And he's going to keep going like that because it's not just us hanging together, but it's us fighting together. It's yeah. about us supporting each other and, and holding arms and pushing back the issues of whatever the battle is so that we become victorious. And then we have all of this rhythm together and this history together that is causing us to have an actual relationship, not Facebook relationships. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Actual relationships come from people who are in the trenches together yes. and they're, they're willing to give to each other and support each other and lay themselves down for each other. That's actually what creates relationships. And that's what God is willing to do. If we would just opt in, even though it looks like it's going to come apart like, uh, like a $3 watch, but in that moment, God is causing us to become more connected to him, realizing that he's faithful. You don't know if God's faithful unless you needed him to be faithful. And then it's the battle, and it's the opt-in, it's the acceptance, you step in, then it's the battle maybe, then it's the victory, and then it's just more opt-ins and more opt-ins and more opt-ins as you keep going up because you have now embraced a new side of God, just like in our relationship. You know, we didn't have, uh, you know, this magical relationship the first time we met. We've just been around each other. We've, right. we've, we've worked together, we've That's struggled right. together, we've done whatever together, and we've become family. Yeah, we we didn't that. become family because yeah. we have the same last name, even though we don't, but if you have the same last name, that doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So go ahead. So in Matthew 9, verse 9, Jesus gives an opt-in to somebody. It says, And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, 
Matthew, for those of you that know the history, was a Jew, but he was a Roman tax collector. So he was considered by his community to be a traitor, right. wow. a betrayal. Mm -hmm. He was actually an agent of dominance of, yeah. the, of the Roman government that had dominated the Jewish people. Yeah. Jesus looked past that and welcomed him in, gave him an opt-in to say, come and have a relationship with me. You have to understand that within, within the, the culture, the religious culture of Jesus' time, he was considered to be a teacher or a rabbi. And in that, he invited disciples to come and have relationship with him. If he wanted people to do work, just to work for him, he would have gone to a slave auction, bought a bunch of slaves, and then put them to work doing whatever he wanted to. Yeah. But that's not what, it wasn't about the work. It wasn't about what they could do for him. It was about them, their being, right. not their doing. Yeah. And he looked past the behavior. He looked past even the, the uh, betrayal that he had done to his own people. And he, caught, he opted him in. But here's the point. He didn't just opt him in to a personal relationship with him. He called him into a community. Yeah. This is key for personal transformation. He, op he invited him into a community and said, come follow me. And inherent in that opt-in was come follow me with all the rest of my disciples. Right. And it's really interesting. In the Gospel of Mark, when it first talks about Jesus calling his disciples, he says, he called them to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Amazing. Contrasting that to uh, later on in the book of Matthew, when we meet this guy, the rich young ruler, uh, this is in uh, 19. Matthew 19. And Jesus now speaking, remember the guy that um, the rich guy and Jesus said, give away all your stuff. <clears throat> and Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So he said the same thing to the rich young ruler as he said to Peter or to Matthew rather, uh, to all of them. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. So we have one person who was given the, uh, the opportunity to opt into a relationship with Jesus, took it. And we have another person given that same opportunity, but didn't take it. And so we are in the place here where we don't even know this guy's name. This is the last time that we know about that we have even interacted with this guy. He was gone at that point, never stepped into the real destiny that God had for him. He's forever known uh, as the rich young ruler, the person who did not opt in to the life that, God had, that Jesus had been offering to him. And it's interesting because... Uh, and it, I think this is an important piece of it, is that the opt-in process isn't initiated by us. The opt-in process is initiated by God. God is the suitor. He's the one that's coming after us. And he engages us in some kind of an encounter. And we always know, and this is where we can get a little bit set free with different offers that we get, because some offers are just from Ian. Yeah. to do something or other. Or Dr. Mike will offer, you know, here we'll do, and there's whatever, it's fine if we do that. But a God offer comes with an encounter. It comes with something that you feel. 
it's usually destiny driven. And so destiny issues, you can feel the tugging of those things in your heart. And it moves you in a particular direction. Now, everybody, there may be 300 of you, but you, uh, 299 get, don't get moved by it. And then one person is moved over this way. It's like the offer to, to worship today and to come out, to just step out. Some people felt like that's for me and they stepped out. And some people thought that it wasn't for them and so they didn't step out. And that's okay because God is, very, God is well able to do the encounter part. And that encounter can go from, you know, just a sense that you've got in your heart, just say, yeah, I wouldn't mind knowing a little bit about this or that or the other, to all the way through to, man, I cannot breathe. And I, this is, I have got to do this or I think I am going to pass out. Because all of those things can be God. In fact, we have the ability to visit with that in the, the, probably the most, one of the most, you know, famous New Testament encounters is with Paul on the road to Damascus here. And as Paul journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there was shining around about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutes. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and was astonished. And the Lord said, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go to the city and it shall be told you what you must do. Oops, this is your part. Sorry, and Saul, you have to, you have to do it, the other part. And what did Paul do? Paul, Saul at the time, Saul arose. So he had the option. Like, if this is what my life is going to be with you, you're going to keep knocking me on the ground and blinding me? I think the answer is going to be no. Because that's what I think my answer would have been. Maybe the first time he knocked me down, I would think that wasn't a whole lot of awesome. Yeah. But you know what? Paul was looking for God. He didn't realize he was looking in the wrong place. He didn't realize that there was something completely wrong with what his mindset was. God was very interested in encountering Paul, Saul at this time in a, such a way that it would cause Saul to come into a closer relationship with him. Somehow in the knock me off a horse and blind me, Saul decided, yeah, I'm opting in on this one. This is where I want to go. I can tell, I know this is God. I don't exactly know where this, matter of fact, if you can imagine Paul's mind at this time, I don't know where the heck this is going and it is not going to be good. Because he remembers the, the meetings with the high priests and all that. They were getting armies together to go kill all the Christians. That's right. He says, Jesus, I come with you. It ain't going to go well. He knew that. Something about that encounter and his willingness to opt in at that moment right there, determined the destiny and life of one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament, discipled more people than any other human being on the planet, simply because I'm willing to opt in to this journey. Go ahead and share something there, since I took your part. Now, uh, what's you can just brilliant say that I'm about awesome. this, say once it. again, <laughs> what's brilliant about this is simply this. God encounters him in a way that, first of all, disables him. It disables him. It disables him from being able to count on the faculties that he had depended upon. So that's the first thing. It's like, well, it's kind of like good news or bad news. But what happens is then he calls, once again, he doesn't just call you individually. He calls you into community. 
he uses a guy by the name of Ananias that we don't hear from anymore except one time. Yeah. And he goes in fear and trembling because guess what? If Ananias encounters Paul and actually says that he's a disciple of Jesus, he could get arrested yeah. and possibly killed. But because he, he obeys the word of the Lord, God uses a man who's with fear and trembling coming uh -huh. to this persecutor of the church and prays over him. The, the disablement of that encounter comes off of him and he sees with new eyes again. Yeah. And once again, the amazing piece about that is simply this. It actually brings Paul out of an individualistic encounter, which unfortunately in our culture, that's what we say. Well, it's just me and Jesus. You know, I don't need the church. It's just me and Jesus. I can, I can go out in the woods or in the lake and encounter him. But the reality is there is a, a piece of this where when we do the opt-in, it's opt-in personally, but it's also opt-in corporately, which is where we see that towards the end of this passage, it says, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened. There was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Certain days means he was there for a ton of days. He hung out with those guys. We don't know how many weeks, how many months, we don't know. But he hung out with the disciples, and he was trained, equipped, and imparted in the context of community how to live this lifestyle of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the passage ends by saying, and straightaway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that is, that he is the Son of God. So understand this, that in the midst of this amazing encounter, it was a life-transforming encounter, but he had to learn how to live this life in the midst of a context of being made and equipped and imparted to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah, amazing. And so let, let me just segue. We have a couple minutes left, and I want to be able to talk a little bit of the, about the Light City School of Ministry just for two minutes about sort of what my heart is. For those of you that would be in here, as you know, we're coming to the end of our 18-19 uh, uh, term. And in September or the end of August, I think, we will be starting our 1920 uh, year. And so I just wanted to give everybody a bit of an opportunity just to consider and to pray about whether that's something that God is asking you to do. The, the end of what Dr. Mike was just saying there, where uh, Saul came into this environment of mentorship, of discipleship, of training, of discussing, of interacting, and really getting the opportunity to fast track his season of preparation because he just hung around all of these other guys, really speaks a lot to um, maybe a, a, a new thing that we should be considering when it comes to our, our life of transformation and how transformation actually is facilitated or uh, improved. How can we get into an environment where uh, I can speed up the process of transformation in my own life? And really the Light City School of Ministry is designed around that concept where it's not just, if, you know, become a Bible school, you know, you can do video Bible training programs and mm -hmm. you don't need to be sacrificing the time and being here and all of those type of things. Really, the, the school of ministry is a season of concentrated transformation. And I think that there's, in my heart anyways, there's three key pieces to what it means to be in that transformational environment. The first one is separation. And that is kind of like an uh, opt out of. 
in the sense that I am wanting to change the atmosphere that is around the majority of my life. And so many of us are getting atmospheres or getting environments for all kinds of other reasons that are really very much uh, associated with the world that I'm trying to at least grow out of. And so the separating from that, cre that is created here where there's a community, as you say, a posse of people that gather together here every day and they're just with each other and they're here and they're sort of in a created atmosphere is something that is significantly important. I think what happens in a lot of people's lives when, they're, when we are only able to just be here Sunday and be here Wednesday night and you know, then we, have, we head back to the world, uh, the, the world that we live in, our, whatever our lives are, we can often do three steps forward and two steps back and three steps forward. And not that you're not making ground, but you can be making ground much more significantly. So maybe speak to that a little bit about so, some of the examples you might have seen with people. So we live in the Northeast, right? I mean, this is, and how many of you know that we only have a very short growing season, right? Yes. Very short growing season. So what do you do if you want to have a lot of plants that are ready to be ready for growing season, well, you put them in a greenhouse. And what happens is the seed becomes a seedling and it becomes a little bitty plant so that when the conditions are optimal in the culture, in the, in, in the larger environment, you plant those in the ground and they come up much quicker. See the school of ministry like a greenhouse. See it as a place where you can grow. And I, there's, I've, I've got a word of knowledge here. There's some of you that have already shut off. You've already tuned out of this message right now because you have a paradigm that you think school of ministry means I'm going to be a pastor. I'm <laughs> going to be an evangelist. I'm going to be a, uh, a missionary. And I want to say to you, change the way you think about it because if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're called into ministry no matter where mm -hmm. you operate, whether it's government, whether it's the marketplace, yep. whether it's in education, whether it's at home. You're called yeah. into ministry, and this kind of school of ministry actually helps you to discover not only your identity and your purpose, but what your destiny might look like and the dreams and desires that you have to walk in significant and purpose happen in the midst yeah. of such an amazing ministry school like this. So yeah. I say to you, change the way you think if you've tuned out, because it may very well be that a school of ministry is just like this for you. I don't know, there's somebody in this room that you feel like your life is purposeless, you love God, but you have little direction, you kind of feel like you're wandering a little bit, and I'm saying to you that this invitation is for you to consider wow. this as a place to find the path that God will have you on. The Word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Open your heart to this opt-in invitation. Yeah, and it's kind of like the second word that I had was incubation, and that's really what you're talking about. Yep. Like when we are dealing with uh, this protected environment, not only is it, is it um, you know, separate from the harsh environment that is around the outside of the greenhouse, but then inside the greenhouse, there is this environment that is being crafted or um, nurturing in such a way that for that seed or that seedling, that's a perfect environment that for that seedling to be able to flourish and grow. 
it's kind of like there's high octane. I know we have one of these little things in, our, in Jess's basement, a little garden area where we do growing and getting all of our seedlings ready and all that. And we create this perfect little environment for water and sunlight and all of these type of things and temperature and the soil and all of that is being perfectly tuned so that when those tomatoes, uh, you know, they can have the opportunity to get ready for when they go outside into the garden and they're, they're already flourishing, they're already ready to grow. It's kind of like we've concentrated the dosages of everything, which is similar to what happens in the, the school of ministry is that there's concentrated, intense, continually, uh, you know, motivating, supporting, accelerating things that are going on inside of your lives. You know, I was reminded of, an, uh, the, 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 somebody said it a couple weeks ago, with the idea of immersion. If you wanted to learn a second language or you wanted to, you know, discover a culture. I mean, you can certainly do a bit of that by reading a book by yourself, but the real way to do it is you have to move there. You have to live there for a while, and it's amazing how much more you grasp about that language or that culture or whatever by just being part of that. Also, it minimizes the war that goes on between the, the way that we live before and the way that we're trying to live after. By just giving us a little bit more support in the new way that we are trying to organize our lives and make things work. Um, there's participative learning is a very important part of it where you're not only learning, but you're learning and then doing and then learning and then doing. And then when you come back next week, because it wasn't just learn, 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 and pass a test and then forget everything you learned. It's more the learning it, applying it, learning it, applying it, learning it, applying it, learning it, applying it. Let me just speak to this real quick. So if I told you today, okay, your challenge is to go out and touch somebody for Jesus Christ and give them a prophetic word or, or, or love them or, or pray for them. If you went out individually, you would feel pretty vulnerable. You feel there's a, like a lack of courage. Uh, how, how many of you relate to this? Anybody? I certainly do. I still do sometimes. But when you're in this kind of environment, not only are you learning and being equipped and trained, but then you go out as a team and you get to do it together. Yes. You get to see what God does with you together. And no matter how introverted you are, no matter how shy you are, no matter how you feel you're, you stumble over your words, as a team, there's something about yeah. doing it together that builds courage, that builds faith, and you get to live life together and see God transform people on the streets as a team. Yeah, and it's amazing when you, and when you gather a whole bunch of people together, part of that that has to happen is it has to be take on some structure. It has to take on a timetable. It has to take on some kind of organization, which for a lot of people is actually good. It maximizes the amount of, uh, of effect that the environment has on you because it's just so well organized and structured. And then finally, I think the point there for an incubated environment is that it's a company of learners. I think, Dr. Mike, you kind of hammered that one, that we're all, everybody's in the same boat. We're all working towards this transformational process and trying to get the deception out and the truth in and practice that and grow in it and all of that, but everybody's doing it at the same time. When we're in an environment like that, we just super facilitate the growth that is going on because there's a lot of cross-pollinating that is going on as people struggle through and figure things out and discuss things and work with things and wrestle with different issues and all of that. It just exponentializes the amount of learning that is able to get done. Then my final word, three minutes is we're, and we're done, is the word impartation. 
Yes, I'm going to get Joy to come on up here because you maybe talked to me a little bit about, come on up, you can have my chair. The third part is the impartation part. And that is, I think, impart, go ahead, sit in the chair. The third, the, the part of it is um, really learning from people who are in the place in their own lives uh, where we would like to be, right? So if I submit myself to Dr. Mike, it's because he's got stuff that I see that I need in my life. And then there's two mechanisms that, that, that's gonna, that could happen through. One is a very natural process, and that is through learning, through practical, through his advice, through all of those type of things on a natural level. But then there's also the spiritual level, where just by being around somebody spiritually, what's happening is that proximity is creating a flow of the spiritual part of Dr. Mike's life that is getting into my life. And through the submission then, as I create, okay, when you're talking, I'm listening. When you're, you know, you're praying for me and when you're imparting to me, even if it's not in words, I've aligned myself underneath that in order to be able to get the, the spillover of his spiritual nature into my spiritual nature, which just happens because of that submission proximity kind of a relationship. There we are. You got something to finish off before I let Joy go here? Let her go. Let her go. Because I want to pray for you guys. Can I just real quick? Yes. At the end. What? No, you go for it. Go. You we say actually have to. a video now. Okay, so go for it. Can you cue the video, am please? I need it, am I needed up here? You want to hang out with him? Stay up here. Yeah, stay I up need, here? I need to stay up here. Yeah? Yeah. You feel That's it? all You feeling that we're really working good together? Yeah, we're working together. AV. Go for it. AV. Go for it. <laughs> Cue the video. There's something to be said about a person who is willing to trade it all for a cause. Something different about a person who at any moment in time is willing to give up what's temporary to invest in the greater good of their work. I mean doing something that actually means something where true purpose is fulfilled, buying in on something deeper than what most people even recognize or stop to feel. In this generation, now, where now seems to be the only tick on our clock, where it seems strange to go up against the grain, unpopular to swim up current, hard to keep hold of the illusion of happiness, when we hear people who seem to be at the top of their game yell back down from their mountain and say that it was very unfulfilling and that the climb was completely in vain. But there are those who will dare to be different, like David, Abraham, Peter, or Paul, who no matter the challenge, the cost, or the limp that's involved, will stop to hear that inward whisper of greatness inside and will immediately respond to that call. Ones who decide to live different for a greater purpose, fueled and driven by vision. Ones who deep inside will never be satisfied with anything less than all in living. There's something to behold in the way that a seed grows. On its own, it can be and it can exist. But when that seed is used for a reason, I mean on purpose, invested and planted for a season, it grows, it spurts, it strengthens and change, it becomes strong, well-nourished, and able to give life. By God's very design, we are born to be world shakers, given seeds to channel heaven, touch lives, and be true game changers. We were not purposed to live life with no cause, just going with the wind and leaving our destinies up to fate. Our mission in life was never to merely exist. No, we were destined for more. We were designed for something greater, for something just like this.
that's Joseph, and he is an LCSM graduate. And you know what? I really feel like the Lord wants to take a second to do this. If you are an LCSM student, an LCSM graduate, or an LCSM teacher, can you please stand quickly? Can you stand quickly? Amazing. Because I feel like the Lord just wants to honor your yes. Your yes. honor, your opting in, right? He invited you to opt in, and you said yes. You were obedient to his call, and, I, and that's a big deal to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, you can sit down. Bless the Lord. So uh, just a couple things. I mean, between the video and then both of you sharing, I mean, you, you've said it all. Um, but I think the key is, you know, because we hear this word transformation, and we're not talking about, you know, you saw Gail's testimony. You saw the video. We're not talking about, you know, going from I liked vanilla ice cream and now I like, you know, chocolate ice cream. We're talking about a drastic change as a result of a process. And when you come to LCSM, when you say yes to the Lord as he calls you to this, you're submitting to a process. Right. Whether it's one, two, or three years, whatever the will of the Lord is for you, it's a process that leads to you looking like a completely different person than yes. when you started, right. Right. just like Gail. It's the metaphor of the caterpillar going to the butterfly, going from crawling around, you know, in the dirt, which is what fear, dread, and selfishness does to people, to becoming that butterfly, to going to faith, hope, and love where you are flying and totally free in him. Amen. So it is a big deal. You know, we are, we got a word, a prophetic word that uh, the Lord said 40 students Come for on. the end of August Come when on. we start 2019-2020. So we're asking you, because we're family, amen, we're all in this together, and we're better for it. And so we're asking you to pray for us. Like Pastor Ian said, seek the Lord. Is this something that the Lord is calling you to for the, for the upcoming school year? And then in addition to that, just pray for us. We ask that you pray for us on a daily basis. Pray for the program. Pray for the process. Pray for the students. Pray for the teachers. Amen. We're asking you for your prayer. Hallelujah. And the other thing that we want you to know is, before you go ahead and pray, is we're going to have a booth outside of the bookstore after service. So if you have a question, hallelujah, if you want more information, please come and see us. We would love to visit with you. Yes, amen. Bless the Lord. Go ahead, Dr. We have uh, a motto at Global School of Supernatural Ministry, and that is trust the process. Say it with me. Trust, trust the, process. the process. If you understand that God actually envisioned himself as a potter and that we are this beautiful vessel that he is shaping, he has a purpose for us to be vessels of honor in the house of the Lord. What's brilliant about LCSM is that you are attached to a church. This is a place where not only you're in a school of ministry, but you get to live out what you are learning in the context of a local church community. Yes, yes. I believe that's where school of ministry should be. I Actually, I want to work myself out of a job at Global School of Supernatural Ministry where every church at some time will have a school of ministry yes. so that because that's where it should be. But I just want to pray. Just lift up your hands for you, everybody in this room right now. Joy, come here real quick. Father, I just thank you for this amazing daughter of yours. God, I thank you for the heart that she carries to bring this equipping, training, and discipling. Father, 
everything that I carry in terms of as a director of education, God, would you give to her in Jesus' name, divine strategies and the fire yes, of God Lord. upon her right now in Jesus' name. Father, for every person in this room, that they would know the fire of your love, the fire of your passion for them, the fire of your drawing them to you, God, in Jesus' name. And God, that it doesn't have to take five years. It doesn't have to take 10 years. It can happen, yes, in a moment, but there is a process that can be accelerated. This is a year of acceleration for LCSM, and I say it's an acceleration time for everyone in this room that will opt into this yes. invitation. So Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on Light City, upon LCSM, and let the glory of God continue to fall upon these as you go forth to advance the kingdom through the power of God's love encounters. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And all God's people said? Amen. So great. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.